All right, welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. I'm Walter Kern. And uh, uh, obviously, apologies to all for what happened last week. We intended to go on the air last week. Um, I, I had a thread on Twitter that you might have heard about. Uh, and this, this sort of got in the way of our plans. And um, so by way of making amends, we're doing a special show today that uh, we're, we're, we're going to try to get on the air uh, by the end, uh, end of business to, today or sometime around then. Um, but um, Walter, so glad to be back talking to you. I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this really yet. No, you've been in the bunker, so to speak. And uh, I've been sometimes tapping on the... Uh, you know, the roof of the bunker. <laughs> Matt, you in there, man? Uh, and I forgot my Morse code, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how you kind of, you, you, that's how everybody uh, communicates, like in every famous prison in the world. I, I think I have to, I might have to learn that in advance, uh, considering yeah. some of the things that are coming down the pipe. But yeah, for sure. Well, the hurricane, the hurricane came along to mix my metaphors and it picked you up or the cyclone, your Dorothy. You landed in Oz, um, a place that you didn't a couple of weeks ago imagine you'd ever be. Um, and I have questions for you, Matt. Sure. I mean, I think I think the world has questions and, you know, I think we should ask them and answer them before everybody else grabs your lapel. Absolutely. The, nu the number one question is, what have you learned that three weeks ago when you were innocent of this whole situation before you'd brought before you'd been brought into Twitter headquarters to examine the beast and query the big servers. Uh, what is it that's changed for you in your outlook on things or your vision of how things work as a result of going up there? And so I had a, I would say a, a rough idea just from reading published reports of what goes on internally um, at a platform like Twitter. Uh, I think there, there, are, there are really two big paths that we are looking at. One has to do with the kind of general process of how um, what you might call shadow banning works. Um, it was exciting. I think one of the most exciting moments was when um, we had some interviews. Actually, this is one of the interesting things about the whole thing is that is that uh, it's a lesson about how journalism works because even though we were sitting atop this gigantic pile of stuff, it wasn't mm -hmm. until we actually sat down with a couple of people who were able to talk to us and translate some of the terminology um, that we got a window into what we were looking at. So it's old school journalism, right? It, it still ultimately comes down to, to interviews in the end. So the first thing I think that was really great, um, exciting, and I wouldn't say that it was necessarily surprising, but it was uh, exciting was to learn the whole, well, to begin learning the geography of what they call visibility filtering, right? Mm -hmm. and, they, and they have this vast, vast process for uh, how they control um, how much you're seen and they and they can do it all the way from your account is not able to be searched right mm -hmm. at all like they can they can go full Kanye on you 
you have zero visibility, right? Uh huh. All the way to, and then there are gradations from there that are really small, all the way up to your account can do anything except trend, or your account can do anything except exceed a certain number of followers and that sort of thing. So they have this amazing sort of idiosyncratic control over the visibility of everybody. And mm -hmm. we're only just beginning to understand that. I, I think I think I poorly understood how that worked. I still probably do. But um, so that was one thing was the was the whole window into visibility filtering. Then the other the other side of this is the relationships with the federal government. We're learning a lot about that. Um, and I guess there are some people, um, involved who are less surprised than I was. I'm a little surprised at the extent of it. Um, right. the, yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, what, what, what is the nature of that relationship and of those contacts generally? So what we know so far, uh, first of all, is that. There's, there are really two, um, two big things there. One is that there's this massive fire hose of data that goes from platforms like, um, like Twitter, usually mm -hmm. through a private firm that's been contracted to scrape information, right? So that might be a contractor like data miner, for instance. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it ends up at a whole range of government agencies who, if you look, these contracts are public. You can look them up. They've all got contracts to mm -hmm. basically receive data in, in gigantic amounts from platforms like Twitter. Um, and then from there, and then here's the interesting part for me, and there's, there's still some there's still some areas where we haven't, haven't seen, there's still some unknowns, but that data then comes back to Twitter in basically in the form of reports and or requests for um, maybe not specific moderation requests. Like they don't, we haven't seen them get into granular detail. Like the FBI wants you to completely shut down this account or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's not, it, it's not written like that. It's more like well, what we'll see instead is something like the DHS flagged this and, and then it will go through the internal Twitter process and, um, or, and this is another really interesting thing. The, the information will go to yet another private contractor, right? Which might be an academic center that does election integrity, um, research. And that group will then pour through all the data and they mm -hmm. will send to Twitter a whole bunch of recommendations. And then what we, what we've seen is basically the end of the chain where the most senior level executives are saying, oh, we got this in from this group and they're flagging this. What should we do? Right. And then we see what action they take. So we know the data goes out and now we also know the data comes back in and we've seen 
We've seen what actions they take. And because we learned about visibility filtering, we know, we know what some of those things mean. So that's basically where we are right now. Why, why should the FBI be involved at all with Twitter? So this is a fascinating question, right? Because people have very different opinions about this. I've, um, one of the things that I learned in the last couple of weeks is that a lot of people are very for this. They're like, well, of course the FBI is involved with monitoring potentially threatening groups. There's a, there are a lot of people who believe that the, that the federal government should be involved in because they're plotting in code on Twitter or because their ability to speak out loud is itself a danger be, be, because they are saying things that will eventually lead to people taking violent action, right. Or, or committing some kind of crime. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I, I think you and I probably have a similar view on this, which is that we don't do that in America, right? They, the, the, the legal standard for, for getting involved with stopping speech is deliberately very, very high, right? Like when mm-hmm. they made that decision, um, what is it? Brandenburg v. Ohio, uh, I think, you know, intentional incite, imminent incitement to lawless action is the standard, right? right? So what the government was really saying in that decision is, we're not going to get involved with trying to police what people say. We may get involved um, very heavily in any kind of conspiracy to commit a crime, right? But that's different from, from believing that the speech is an element of the crime, which is clearly what a lot of people believe now. And the FBI has taken it upon itself clearly, and that's another big thing. This is another... I think this was the big reveal of my last thread on this is it clearly shows that the FBI for one, and there's a, there's a lot of agencies here. That's another thing. That's crazy that they're in the business of cataloging speech uh, and, and applying labels to it. um, And possibly even, uh, you know, having a kind of implicit arrangement whereby they're regulating what people say. Um, but they're certainly involved with a very, very large scale uh, operation to monitor, monitor and categorize speech. Were there any federal entities or capabilities that were new to you? In other words, did you discover units or agencies or working groups you didn't know existed? Well, not yet. Although I would have to say that, that finding out that the office of the director of national intelligence, um, Mm -hmm. was having regular meetings with, uh, the head of, um, trust and safety. That was new. I, I, I didn't know that. I, I knew that they were meeting with the DHS, although I didn't know that he was meeting with the DHS. I, I thought, I thought the DHS's contact was the other executive, Vijay Gadi, um, but mm-hmm. Roth was also the Yoel Roth was also meeting with them. But the uh, when, when I saw the ODNI uh, thing in there, um, that was a big surprise. Um, there's going to be some stuff 
and that I can't get into yet because it's not mine. I didn't find it, but there, right. there are some other agencies that we've, we're starting to see, um, that you wouldn't, that you let's, let's just say you wouldn't have immediately thought of as an agency that would be doing this. Um, one that would, you wouldn't think they would have an urgent interest in, in the content of Twitter. Right. And the content of, especially of domestic speech, like I, you, you would, you would find that odd. Um, so, so there's, there's, there are some things like that, that are, that are weird. And, and, and we're, we're just trying to understand it at this point. Did you, did you have any insight into things like phone calls and in-person meetings and other ways of communicating with Twitter, if you're a federal agency or if you're anyone that don't necessarily generate a digital record? Well, one of the things that I, th that I think is, is happening and, and, th and this is just a supposition at this point, because, um, we were not seeing it, you know, and again, this, this might be an important thing to get into at some point. What do we have? We don't have everything. Like we're, we're not sitting there in front of a terminal that has global access to every conceivable document at Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. we, we've, this has been in fits and starts. We've had technical issues. Um, the, the challenge of coming in kind of blind, you know, new, with new management and suddenly having access to giving access to um, a group of reporters to everything is um, obviously not what that bureaucracy is designed to do. Uh, right. So you're uh, saying transparency wasn't job one at Twitter. Uh, yeah, I, 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 they, they did. Let's just say that they, they, they didn't have a protocol for this ready uh, right, when right. when this when this project started. So um, what we know for sure is that there are regular meetings um, that at, le at least the top executive was having regular me meetings with multiple agencies. And it's not just you go to one meeting and they're all there. They're different meetings. Mm -hmm. So like we, we, ha we have that one, we have one slack where he's like, yeah, I missed the FBI in the morning. And then I missed DHS in the afternoon. Um, is that when he went to the Aspen Institute? Instead? Exactly. Yeah, I had an Aspen okay. Institute, which caused me to think: What is it about the Aspen Institute that 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 is so important that one would blow off the FBI, etc.? I, I mean, I can only imagine. I, I, I I'm not going to say that I did a, I didn't experience a little bit of amusement thinking about what the FBI must have thought when they read that they, <laughs> that they got ghosted on behalf of the, the Aspen Institute. But, um, but yeah, no, the, the significance of that is that it's multiple meetings. Uh, one of the mysteries that we're trying to resolve right now is how do the reports come in? Because uh, we're, we see, we're seeing all over the place. The DHS flags this, the FBI flag that, right? But mm -hmm. how? Um, and, and what kind of things did they flag? Were they appropriate things? In some cases, yes. In some cases, no. I mean, in some cases they were really stupid things like, uh, you know, a lot of it is sort of tweets about, you know, suggesting that there's a conspiracy in the, you know, to fix 
mail-in voting or that mail-in voting isn't reliable or that, yeah. So the FBI is policing the question of whether mail-in voting is reliable. Yes, exactly. And, and well, you can't say that concretely. What, what you can say is that they've flagged emails about that mm-hmm. and that then Twitter has gone on and applied labels to them or in some cases yanked them. Right. right. So, so that's, so that's an example. Um, but we've also seen instances where, um, where things that feel like uh, should be pretty much exactly the same as the stuff they're flagging from various Republicans, mostly, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like, here's a tweet from Howard Dean um, from, what's the date here? It's the October 27th, 2020. Um, he writes, do not vote by mail. Okay to vote now early and drop your ballot off in person at the po- at the proper office. Too late to trust Trump's postmaster thug. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's flat out telling you not to vote by mail. Um, one would think that would be a violation, but they let that one slide. Uh, and you know there there was there was a chain about that that it was a little bit weird. I, I, I think some others are going to get into that. Um, who who is Howard Dean at that point? Did he have any? office in the party or was he just howard dean the love machine um i don't i don't remember actually um he you know he was obviously dnc chair at some point but i don't think he was at that at that point so um but you know most of the stuff that is being flagged isn't about high-ranking officials except trump there's a lot of that involving trump and maybe there should be i don't know Right. Like, uh, you know, by the standards of this, maybe there should be. Uh, he was the president of the United States at that point. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, he was the elected president of the United States at that point. Um, he was, he was not on trial for anything at that point. I, I mean, I know. And, some of those tweets are were so I thought anodyne that I I mean I was I was shocked that they were even bothering with um you know talking about them and yet uh you know they they, they would you, you would have these long long discussions about whether or not to act on things that were you know that that from the, you know, from from the thirty thousand foot level, looked like they couldn't possibly be important, um, but they did. I mean, I, I, hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna find I'm gonna find the one uh, that I think really threw me. Oh, here we go. Uh, Donald Trump, October twenty sixth, twenty twenty. Big problems and discrepancies with mail in ballots all over the USA. Must have final total on November 3rd and there's a long discussion and they slap a label on it. Um, and you know, it's, you know, 
it says EDI involved, right? So that's, I mean. If you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America This Week. To hear the rest of our conversation, please subscribe to TK News at taibi.substack.com.